Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Eye in the Sky, directed by Gavin Hood and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. British, American and Kenyan armed forces undertake an anti-terrorism mission that raises thorny ethical questions. That's a good plot summary. Thank you. I didn't want to forget the Kenyans, even though the movie does tend to forget the Kenyan army towards the end. I think it forgets the Kenyan army, but not necessarily the Kenyan spies who are involved. No, uh, well, that's because that's Bakat Abdi. He's, I guess, well known enough that he gets yeah, a bit I think more that's screen part, time. That's that's it. But I think also like yeah, that's that's what is happening on the ground. Yeah, there's the story not a lot of other is, stuff happening yeah. on the ground. So him working as a spy. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is. I don't know what to say first, whether this this is Alan Rickman's last movie is the first thing that comes to mind. Well, that's that not part of why we saw it. Yeah, um, but it is also kind of an interesting... Uh, it's also a starring role for Helen Mirren, which is not something you get to see every day in a, um, no action political thriller. Well, this is a, a one of those ones that was written for a man and then Helen Mirren uh, was up for it or asked if she could do it and it was rewritten to make the character a woman... A, don't think they had to do much other than change pronouns. No, they wouldn't. Um, um, it, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if they also – there are a couple of other characters, like the drone pilot has his navigator as a woman and there's another – there are other, like, women around the various well, armies as well. That's what I was going to well. say. I like how, like, there are women at all the different – like, all the different places and all the different stages doing things. Uh, one of the terrorists is a woman. A lot of the um, people fighting the terrorists are women. One of the Kenyan There's the one spies. in Hawaii. There's the pilot. The Ke- yeah, the other Kenyan spy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was really neat. I like that uh, yeah. they had a lot and, of women doing things. Yeah, and it, it feels to me like they actually made a bit of an effort um, on this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, I'm sure if you did, you know – Deep down analysis, you probably still find that the men talked more, and there were, and there were definitely more men in things like cabinet meeting. Yeah, um, but I think it was quite. But I kind of like that they. I mean, I don't. That. I feel like it's good to show a balance, but also show that there's still not equality in some right. Ways. And like, agreed. I like that they sort of put women in all these different positions, but there's only one that's really in that powerful position. Mm-hmm. And and it was interesting to watch the – I thought there were some interesting gender tensions in especially the cabinet meeting. Yeah. Um, I think it was interesting that, that the woman was the one who was constantly on the um, more um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like – she wants empathy, to, yes. Um, the more emotional kind of be mm-hmm. within the cabinet meeting, yep. Um, and and she was often talked over and stuff like that. I thought that was a really interesting, yep. um, and uh, it felt purposeful to me, yes. And it felt also purposeful that Helen Mirren's character was like so so very, um, forceful in all of her. Mm. It was kind of good because she was the having been written for a man. This character has the freedom to be quite unlikable, yeah. Quite, she is very forceful, especially early on. Um, she's really pushing to take the action very, very early before anyone has been convinced of it. Not just, you know, the general's not even convinced of it, and she is like, "No, we must do this. We must." And she, um, well, I you don't see women of, like that on screen very often. There's this kind of personal storyline there, yeah, um, where she is. I mean, it's her like she's been chasing after this one terrorist for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting. Um, and showing her at home first. I kind of feel like. This movie took a long time on the build-up, um, and I know they were trying to establish a lot of the characters, but there's something really British about this movie in that everything is kind of underplayed, 
and it didn't want to go too cliched, but that also meant that I didn't really connect with a lot of the characters before the action started. Mm. Like, apart from Alan Rickman, who I thought they did the best job with, everybody mm. else just kind of didn't feel, like, I didn't feel that much emotional connection well, to them. Al- Al- the Alan Rickman is introduced by, he's introduced actually the way you should introduce the character by dropping them into an unfamiliar situation. Like, he's actually dropped into some action with him, whereas the other characters, like the little girl, it's very slow, she's doing schoolwork, she's playing with a hula hoop, it's all very, they're gentle introductions. Helen Mirren gets a gentle one as well, she wakes up, she's the dog. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing about that scene that does, that tells you anything interesting or, um, no one's under any pressure. You don't not dropped into any kind of action with that. We did learn a lot actually about the little girl. I think Helen Mirren we learned a lot less about. I think they were trying to go for this like this is people's everyday lives kind of right, thing. Right. It was going for very realistic and all that sort of stuff. It just didn't make me connect with her very right, much. But but, you... um, but the little girl, um, they showed her studying maths and her dad having to hide the books. Um, they they were showing her within the context of the culture right, that right. she Right, right. No, no, it was good. Was, yeah. We learned a lot of good stuff about her, but we didn't do that thing that you should do when you write well, which is to like really grab people from the get-go mm. with those two, whereas um, Alan Rickman's character grabs you from the get-go because yeah. there's this, he's this formal, stiff general trying to buy a doll for his daughter. With Alan Rickman voice. Yeah. Which was like, you know, he's, he's sitting there talking about babbling babies in Alan Rickman voice and mm. it's just marvellous. It's hilarious. And whereas, the yeah, Hel- and Helen Mirren, little girl, and – um. Alia, she's her name, Alia, and um, yeah. and Aaron Paul's character. It's much more gentle, sort of everyday life kind of. I cannot remember his character's name. Me, me neither. I just know he's Aaron Paul, the pilot. He's a lieutenant. Yes, and who called a lieutenant by mm-hmm. um, Helen Mirren the whole time. Yeah, uh, the Aaron Paul stuff, especially, was just nothing. There was, and and I think they were almost trying to introduce the his navigator more than him. Yeah, and um, then, but he didn't get me in the feels until like very late in the game mm-hmm. when he was like really starting to pull out his acting chops when he had to to shoot the um, when he actually had to yeah let the missile go yeah yeah it it it, it didn't I mean the whole time I was really bored by his storyline until that point mm-hmm. um, even when he was standing up to the general I didn't feel like it was as impactful as it could have been I think I think this movie suffers from an epidemic of Britishness. <laughs> I really think that this suffer- movie suffers from its like, uh, and and I liked it a lot, but uh, I think sometimes a little bit of showmanship is called for. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate that they were trying to go for a lot of realism and stuff, and the situation is very tense without mm. grandstanding and everything. But you know, if you're going to get us to feel for these characters and and care about what's happening and remember characters' names and stuff, you've got to give us more to cling on to and there's so many characters Mm. so you kind of have to give us something like everybody needs a hook like the doll or the the um ian glenn's the um, foreign secretary with his diarrhea poisoning or something because i will remember them then yeah but it takes me a really long time to remember everybody if you're not giving me anything to hook into and otherwise nobody is given their name like the all the military folk are addressed by their rank which is fine but then all and all of the cabinet are just addressed as minister or secretary or PM or you know no uh, they call the the secretary oh, George a lot. oh yeah the attorney general he's George for some reason they call him George a lot but nobody else in that room gets called by mm. their name that much um, maybe he just looks like a George they're prob- <laughs> probably this being um, the upper echelons of the military slash government they're friends they probably went to school together yeah this uh, there's this moment when um, Alan Rickman is talking to Jeremy Northam's minister mm. and he goes minister. And you're like, oh, no, I'm in trouble with Snape. He's going to get his <laughs> <I know>. attention. <laughs> yeah. 
he was there's there's actually a surprising amount of humor in this movie as well especially from alan rickman but it's mm. all just in like rickmanisms i don't know if it was like the whole cinema was kind of feeling a nostalgia for him or what it was but there's all of these moments where he just makes a face or says something and everybody I, laughed i think he carried all of the um comic relief mm. um and i think that was deliberate because ev- from the very beginning when the, he's talking about baby bums or whatever he's talking baby what baby babbles and from the very beginning um he's the only one who's really humanized by humor mm. well i mean even helen mirren has a few moments mm. but yeah there there are there isn't a lot of humor in there uh i think um Bakad ali's role um character was humanized a lot mm. yeah um that was that stuff was actually i kind of wished they would have a lot more stuff on the ground and less stuff in the in the offices because there was a lot of uh, very strong characterization going on there mm. with him and, and the kids that he met and like humanizing all the people on the ground was, was actually really good work. Mm. And it's an interesting sort of study in like levels of danger versus like levels of responsibility here. Mm. And the people who are making these decisions in comfortable rooms in Whitehall and all that sort of thing compared to um, – the soldiers who've got to actually implement the strike and then people on the ground who are spies and also soldiers and that they've got a really tough job. And then there's like civilians who are even another level of like, they don't have any control over any of this. And, and the, um, yeah, Bakat Abdi and, and his friend in the van, they're kind of, they're like the real people doing the serious, hard, dangerous work of this. Nobody else is in really as any physical danger compared to him. Oh, and, and Alia. Um, yeah, well, Alia, but who's not a soldier. There that to me were like dark humorous in that she just kept kind of going on with her life without any knowledge of the danger that she was in, that it was almost funny. Mm. When but, like, in a really Bakara awful way. he tries to buy all her bread and then he runs off because he As ate. soon as he did that, I knew she was going to pick and it up. And she picks up the bread and starts again. Yeah, as soon as, she did, as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, no, she's going to pick up the bread because she doesn't know what's going on. No. Yeah. And she's well, but she's also like being such a good girl as well. Mm. Like she's do, she's going back and forth to her mother and she's selling the bread for her mum and helping make money for the family, but she packs up correctly and she folds everything up and she gets mm-hmm. a little basket and she makes sure it's all tidy and like she's genuinely just being a good girl. Oh, I just remembered something. I know. Did you notice on her the little cloth that she has over her table had like crosses on it? Very subtle. I saw triangles. It had crosses. crosses. Um I just thought it was rather unsubtle but i mean you know well i thought the pose at the end was more unsubtle with her arms out yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i noticed um but yeah it uh i mean i the thing is also like i i got that the that they're building tension i i think kind of a couple minutes into the movie when they introduced the little girl i'm like oh she's gonna die mm. um which is you know they're building a lot of tension around whether or not the little girl is gonna die and i'm like but we knew uh, it's kind of like I, I felt like she was going to die in like five minutes of the movie introducing her, mm. um, which is why I think a little bit more sensationalism, a little bit more showmanship might have made it work a bit better for me. Yeah. Because um, it's British as well. Cause, so it's more fatalistic. So it's much more likely that she's going to die, you know? Yeah. Um, I got a very, because I've just edited the um, Fruitvale Station episode, I did get a very. A similar vibe that I from her and her little story that I got from that film, where you sort of you start watching her and you just sort of like know she's doomed. Yeah. Um. I. I. That might just be because I've just edited that episode and I can. I was thinking back to it, but it is also interesting that, um, 
when a little black girl is introduced that it's we and humanize that much it's usually because she's going to die like you sort of know that it was also the setting of the movie and so, i mean you you knew from what i i knew from just watching the trailer mm. what kind of movie this was going to be and the feel of the movie and stuff it it wasn't just i think cuz she was a little black girl cuz in an american movie she might have lived mm. i oh, really do think yeah. if this was an american movie i think she so. had a much better chance of living yeah um, she would have been like revived on the table at the hospital or something oh or yeah there would have been something i i just yeah. i think it was it wasn't just the fact that that she was a little black girl i think there's a lot of other stuff but definitely there's some uh some some stuff going on there um but they did do a really like put a lot of effort into, and and they didn't kill Bakar Ali. I thought they might kill him as well. I know I I was really genuinely worried about him. Yeah, he was the only person where I was like, that's a wild card. He might die. Mm, yeah. Um. Nobody else. And 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 it was interesting to see the rest of the people just not in danger. I, I I was thinking a lot about um what it was trying to say about the fact that pilots now no longer are there mm. in person. That they're just in a bunker piloting mm. the drone. Um, I was kind of interested in that idea, and that's one of the reasons why I would have liked to see the pilots humanized more, because we're used to pilots as a certain archetype of being like, you know, uh, these Poe Dameron. Kind of, Poe was in no way trying to work him into the conversation. No, just not. Yeah, yeah, uh, like flyboys, flyboys, like, right? Like swagger, and um, there, there's a lot of prestige attached to being a military pilot, and there's a lot of noise about it. Whereas when you pilot a drone, you're however many thousand feet up and nobody can even hear you on the ground and but there's also a, a like they know they're going into danger every time and so the things that they are like the people that they're attacking mm. can attack them back right and like the so we're used to like the flyboy kind of dangerous yeah. like yep. i'm putting my life on the line every time guys not two people sitting in a bunker so, like, it, it was an interesting kind of difference, and I would have liked to see that, especially since this movie is very interested in the idea of modern warfare. I mean, it's a, it's a modern morality play. Mm. Um, and to make a modern morality play, you know, interesting and not dry, you've got to kind of and, and that beef is, it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and that, that those drone pilots are kind of the most fascinating part of the whole thing, and they're also the most um, different than anything that's been done before. Cause, and the most underdeveloped characters. And because drone piloting, I mean, that is a new a new thing that's really only something that has been really taken off as in the last like 15 odd years right mm. and it is the, and it's the thing that makes the movie need to be made now because it is about that um shooting bombs at people from a distance without even having to be in a cockpit aspect of it which is just yeah it's kind of fascinating because not taking the risk themselves but putting yeah, other people on the ground but, at risk but you can see how it how it affects them and how mm -hmm. um they come out and they're shell shocked and they their boss tells them rather than debriefing them which is totally what would actually happen he's yeah. like just go home and have some sleep be back you know tomorrow morning or tomorrow night for your next shift that's kind of the crux of the whole why you would make this movie so yes mm. yeah I agree that that was kind of underdone. Well, I mean, that's part of it. I think the politics of it were another part of it. Yeah. So basically the movie's built around them and the um, political group, mm. the cabinet meeting, and where they were just like every single time that something happened, they were like, we already have authorization for this. And then they're like, no, let's pass it on higher. Yeah. And every single time everybody kind of goes, oh, yep. um, <sighs> which was really, I liked that aspect. It's of very it. realistic. Yeah. Um, as someone who works in government. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I've been watching um, Madam Secretary recently, which I think is a really good show, and they do every so often they do drones um, and drone stuff, and they've presented drones in a very different way is to be like this 
useful thing, you know, useful tool. We don't have to get too close. We can just check something out. It makes it a lot easier to check things out and before we actually send people in and all this kind of thing. And they presented as this useful tool, but that's only from one side and from the side of, you know, being the American government not, not wanting to send your, send your pilots into danger. I just, um, yeah, I thought this was good. It showed a lot more. A lot more to it than that. There are actual people working with the drone pilots on the ground who are in danger, not just um, – it's not just a few a few American well, soldiers are safer. Well, they were trying to avoid that and then they had to do that yeah. because the, a few, Well, the American one. soldiers are safer but then, you know, there are Kenyans who are less safe. Um, mm-hmm. I do, Although, of course, um, Bucket Abdi's character is also a drone pilot with his little cockroach that he mm-hmm. flies into their house. Yeah, and, and they tried to not have him do that and then it became kind of desperate because that of the female um, – um, terrorist mm. because they couldn't see her and they had to get confirmation on her. Yeah. Um, so they kept ratcheting kind up attention. Quite, for some reason, I had like this respect for her. I quite like she's really clever about like always keeping her head down. You could see that she was smart mm. <laughs> about what she was doing. Um, like, yes, I know she was a terrorist, but she, it, I mean, she was also an interesting character where she's like a who white never British woman. Yeah. Well, that's right. A white British woman who's converted and become radicalized and like that, that's fascinating but yeah she never speaks we never see her up close we don't know anything more about her yeah it was it was an interesting idea to have her in that as the like the most desired target and -hmm. also the most contested target a lot of the time because Mm -hmm. the reason that there was any kind of uh, argument in the first place was because she was a British national and and someone else was a British national well I think also it's important that she's a white British national because the other two there was a her husband is a British national and there was an American national but they were not white I think also the American national they just the Americans just went nope he's not ours anymore because he's a terrorist whereas the British were much more Mm. um torn on that issue yeah but again I think it comes back to her being white and having like a a, her name was like Anne Helen something Susan 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 Helen Helen Or, I don't know. It was, it was a really sort of white sounding name. Something. And I think they were playing the politics on that. I suspect if their citizen had been called Fatima or something like that, she might not have got the same level of treatment. They did talk about two British nationals a lot. Yeah, yeah. They definitely mentioned that. And also, she was the only one there for a while. So he, her husband joined later. And um, people were definitely concerned that there was an American citizen in there, like at the drone pilot brings it up, but also the. Eng- the, British the British cabinet. And then when they up. go to the American uh, Secretary of State and the American uh, Foreign Secretary. No, Secretary of State. And, 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 and then, then, then that the other White American House woman. Council, yeah. And they were just both just like, no, blow, blow him, him up. up. And, and I think they got a lot less worried about, yeah, that he's a Muslim. When, mm. And whereas the British woman was white. But then when the little girl becomes involved, it becomes much thornier mm. an issue. Um, and that was the very direct morality play. Do you sacrifice one little girl to save 80 Potential, potential people, yeah. potential lives. And, and like, on that front, I was completely with the one woman in the cabinet meeting where she's like, yeah, I would not, I would, like, mm. save her. Because, you know, the, the thing is that those 80 people haven't died yet. No. And you still have the opportunity to stop those 80 from, people from dying. Although they are putting on the suicide vest, like, right then and, and getting in cars. forever. Well, it takes them half an hour. As, as I said, yeah, but... As you know, jihadists are giant drama queens. That's I know, like but it was still the propaganda. The first and stuff. vest, the second vest took so much less time to put on. The first vest, they were like putting things on his chest for a good fifteen minutes of that movie. Mm. Um, because I, I was kind of because it's I think you know because it focuses so much on the realism of it. I'm kind of getting caught up in the realism of it and and certain things that broke me out of it. I don't know why, but the little bird, um, the little spy toys, the little bird and the yeah. little 
bug really took me out of it, even if they're real things. Oh, well, I'm just like as if they could get in that easily without being noticed. It just, especially the um the bird. Hang- I mean, we get birds hanging around here, but that's because we put bird seed out to attract them for the cat. But they're also not gold and shiny like that. Yeah, bird but was. like a, a hummingbird outside your window, I feel like you would notice that, especially if it's- maybe not. Not if you're yeah. looking out the window and all the curtains and blinds were closed, and they as were well. probably like praying or whatever else they were doing. The the thing that got me, like the second house also was totally like this, none of the walls went up to the roof. No. So that the, and I was like, do walls really not go up to the top of the roof? But is that yeah. like a common thing? Because <laughs> the that bug could just fly right. over the well, rafters I mean, to it, any room It was that obvious house. that it was in a more poor part of town. So maybe like I get those ceilings, I don't know. It just it seemed a bit. Do walls too, not go up to it se- roofs? It seemed a bit too, a uh, bit too convenient. Well, there's a ceiling in place, so that in a normal house. Yeah, no, I mean, ce- like, I meant the ceiling, um, but, but yeah, walls normally in normal houses go up to the ceiling, right? Yes, but there were no ceilings. This is the problem. There was only a roof, um, we, and, and it, se- it just seemed a little too easy that the bug could get around a little yep. too easy to see what was going on in that house. Yeah, like they, I don't imagine any real mission has intel that good, like intel that says. We we can see them putting on suicide vests. This is why it's worth the risk to the little girl's life. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, I don't think it would ever be that obvious. Well, also you could have somebody in like a spy in there, with right? The yeah, yeah. You could, or someone on the ground, or but I, I just I don't think you'd have quite that level of detail. No. And and those things for some reason just kind of made me go really, <laughs> especially those those two things. Um and and just looking at them, they look like sci-fi things, even if they are real. I don't know if they're real, but they look like yeah, they something do. in like to um, make to expedite spy movies, right? And and it was also the whole like something out of leverage. Yeah, and it was also about um modern warfare and trying to keep yourself safer and try and you know levels of safety and all that kind of thing. You know, it's just slightly safer for Bucket Abdi's character to be able to use a drone like that rather than. And for his um, his colleague in the van to be able to use the yes. bird, than it is for them to actually be out on the ground. I quite like the multinational nature of it. They, they, you don't really notice it after a while, but there's like you know the drone pilots are in Nevada, and the um, and the the person with the facial recognition technology is in Hawaii, mm. and the um and the Brits. It's daytime in Britain, so they're running the mission at their daytime, and it's nighttime in Nevada, and and then it's um a couple of hours later, I think, in Kenya. Mm. Well, yeah, that international kind of that, and, and everybody, the way that uh, international spy networks work now and stuff was really mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see the lot of like intelligence and work went into this movie. Yeah, and I, I it it held my interest for most of the movie, and it yeah. was like engaging. But I just didn't, I I, f- I didn't feel like it was emotionally engaging enough. Mm. Um, I think it was more intelligent than it was emotional. Yeah, I think that's. I think I would chew over things from it for a while to come. Um, I watched some TV last weekend, The Night Manager, and that I've got gave me a similar sort of feeling. It, at the time of watching it, I was like, uh-huh, also British. Uh-huh. Yeah, also British. I was like, yeah, no, this is good. This is good. There's Tom Hiddleston's naked butt, and this the only is reason good. I wanted to see it. And but afterwards, it kind of stuck in my brain, and I kept thinking through some of the moral issues and stuff. And I think you probably will do that with this movie, but. I don't necessarily think it's – yeah, I, d- I don't think it necessarily grabs you while you're watching it. Certainly um, the audience, uh, as as we were getting to the point where we were about to shoot the Hellfire, the audience went silent and pretty much stayed silent from that point on. 
Um, the movie also had uh, no sound, like it was silent. Yeah. It only had diegetic sound and that was yep. everybody being quiet. Yeah, but but people were also quiet. Before that, they'd, you know, there'd been a few funny lines and things like that. People had, you know, laughed or whatever. And the woman who who behind us at the beginning of the movie just went, don't you dare at somebody. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Strange moment. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That's a that's a very Harold Willett, their lesbians moment, isn't it? Um, yeah. But I do think um, – I don't – yeah, I think you're probably right on that. I don't think it grabbed me quite enough, although I was – I did feel the ten- – I did appreciate the tension build mm. and the, the suspense build and all that kind of stuff. Like there's 50 seconds between letting the missile go and it actually hitting, which is just like – And the exact 50 seconds when the kid goes up and buys the bread and the girl's yeah. packing up. Yeah, that stuff. I mean, yeah, I appreciated like the, what they were doing, but I, I kind of already thought she was going to die and right. didn't really – and that was the thing is that I didn't feel like – at any point, there was any other option. I think I was. I thought it was American enough that they might just come out with some kind of hail mary and save her. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just and but also because they weren't saving her yeah. directly. Um, I think maybe and of course, reason and it's I kind of the point as work. well is that that the the decisions of people miles and miles away directly kill somebody who has who is should not be a target and, and yeah. that's the whole point i think uh, yeah, i, I think it has to movie. it has to have some collateral damage to have an impact Somebody i think it has was, to die. this would have been like if they were gonna do something like that they would have had um bakar ali go back in save the little girl and die himself something yeah, like that somebody would be had, how they would yeah. do this the american way there had to be a sacrifice somebody had to die for yeah. it to have any impact otherwise it's um it's cheating almost. Like it's yeah. just too easy. But I also feel like if they had uh, maybe developed a couple of kids in that area and mm-hmm. then they were both – like well, that little boy had also been developed and then they were both well, in danger was like and you didn't know who was going to die. Yeah, there was a marketplace right there. There was a whole – I mean, there was militia and stuff, but there were people all around. Or, or like her parents in their home, you know, a bit of debris flies into the kitchen and – Well, that's what I thought. They were going to move it back and then the parents were going to die mm-hmm. as, as well. I, I still thought she was going to die. Um, there's, but there's kind of a fatalism to it. Mm. Um, and uh, I think the best movies of this kind kind balance the intelligence and the emotional mm. aspect of it. So, like, you are emotionally invested, but it also says really interesting and intelligent things and they have the, all of those realistic yeah. kind of touches. But because this didn't go full realism, then they needed to go more emotional mm. for it to – balanced properly and for it to work yeah um i I think it handled if it's going to be totally realistic like but based on a true story type total realism then yeah you go for it and you could do this and it would probably be more effective Mm. maybe um but it didn't quite go there either yeah i think they handled in terms of emotion i thought the um the the emotions of the drone pilots were quite well done like yeah when they actually have to let those missiles go, having to actually be that guy, um, I think that was still a big deal. It's different from when you were, if you were actually, you know, in a plane doing it. But it, it is that kind of, um, it's, it's like thinking about, you know, the pilot of the Enola Gay or whatever, you, you, the guy who dropped the first atomic bomb. Like yes, you, I, I was repeating for the listeners in case. I know, but you know, um, I'm also hopeless at history yeah. stuff. There's only a few of them that I do know. Yeah. So, so I think that was quite good. And in, I mean, and obviously, as it comes back to that whole rethinking how you think of pilots, mm. um, yeah, that bit. I mean, I think having a lesser actor in that role might have 
diminished it a bit. But Aaron Paul really sold that. Oh, yeah. Like I was quite impressed with him in that because especially because the role was so underwritten, mm. he didn't have a lot to work with. So um, he really kind of – he really – pulled a Hail Mary there. That was all acting and directing choices, you know, mm. the crying and her pulling her headphones off for a second and that was all that was all in the acting. None of that was in the writing. Yeah, that was all really good. Um mm. I thought yeah, I thought that was particularly uh he was particularly good. I think they kind of undersold the parents' grief a little bit. I think they did yeah. that much better in Fruitvale Station. Yes. Um I think Fruitvale Station overall is a much better movie. It's such a because good movie. It does do that. It does balance the intelligent and it's a real story and it balances the intelligence of it and the realism of it, but you know that he didn't do all of that stuff in the one day and, mm. and it, it, it kind of heightens the emotion without ever taking you out of it. Yeah. I think that does the balance right and I in the sky doesn't quite get it. Yeah. But yeah. it was still kind of a good it was a it was a good movie. It was a solid movie. Mm. The cast were all really kind of you know, working it out, doing a good job. Yeah, was, um, I mean, there's a lot of top-notch actors in there. I thought also the scene between uh, the woman in the cabinet meeting at the end of it and talking to Alan Rickman and he, oh, he, was, yeah. that, that and he is, pulled out the emotional stops yeah. for that bit and that was good. Yes, uh, because that makes him, that sort of humanises him in a way that, uh, that Helen Mirren's character does not get humanised at all because yeah. what she does is asks one of her staff to lie on a report. Mm-hmm. So I think that was well. I think what an what, interesting point. But like, it sort of it made you sort of go, well, look, I, I'm glad he's in the general's chair and not her. Yeah, but I think also you kind of don't know who the villain is going to be till the end. No, and then you find out right at the end who the villain of that piece mm. was. It was kind of an interesting way to do it. Yes, because they were both thoroughly unlikable. But she she full on manipulates that guy at one point. Like people in the audience laughed because she was oh yeah so hardcore manipulating uh, him. But people also laughed because they've had bosses do that yeah. to them. Like a boss stand over your shoulder and tell you to do this and that and the other to make to get a particular result, mm-hmm. and and I think the funny thing is she's not doing it for people above her, up the chain. She's she she's trying to sell this to people up the chain. She's the one who wants this. It's yeah. not like it, uh, often in a in a military or a job situation, somebody you know three rungs up the ladder from you wants something and therefore you get stuck doing it. Well, she's trying she's, to play everybody. In yeah, that she wants. Yeah, and you she can see how outcome. she got there. Yes. Um, it was a good role. I yeah, mean, she yeah. wasn't a likable role, but it was a really good role. Oh, but the, um, as we discussed, I like that she's not yeah. likable. You don't see women and they to have be so women, unlikable. They have women in the movie who are likable and who aren't. And I think yeah. it just had a really good uh, – I liked that it was – none of the women were, like, in a cliched woman role. No. Um, not even the they mother. They didn't have – and they didn't have the – not even the mother or the little girl. Um, no. They didn't have the – or the father, actually, was mm. not, like – he was more sensitive and all that sort of stuff, which mm-hmm. was nice to see. Yep. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't. Uh, the two pilots were both crying and they were both mm. really upset. They didn't have her take on all the emotional no. weight of that while he stayed stoic. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Um, I just thought, like, gender-wise, this movie's great. And, well, and that is for for a pilot as well. When you come back to that idea of the flyboy and the rogue and mm-hmm. the to show him to be so affected by doing this work. I think that's actually very important. Like it, it, it's such a small bit, but then it's actually has a lot of effect. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think for me that's one of the frustrating things is that he sold that so well, and yet I didn't care about him at all until that point in the movie. You know, like they didn't just didn't build him. They didn't. 
give him anything that I, was a character. I would, I would love to until rewrite the four introductory scenes of mm-hmm. him. They did one right. They did Alan Rickman's right, but everybody else, like I would love to rewrite them each with something dramatic in them. Like have Helen Mirren come out and instead of just waking the dog up, she steps in dog shit. Like <laughs> just something to kind of. Yeah. That'll give you a bit of a character moment when you first introduce him. Like, he's just wake. But there's two scenes in a row of people who are waking up at a weird hour of the day. Yeah. And it's, um, it cuts so fast between them, too. So it's like, this is the place you are. No, this is the place you are. No, yeah. this is the place you yeah. are. And you're like, wait, what? I but didn't yeah. get used to that person yet. And Where and am it's I like, now? It's and I didn't. 4.15 in the morning and then it's 8.30 at night and you kind of yeah. like it throws you because it happens so And quickly. they're both in the dark. And they're both just waking up. Like, yeah. mm. They're both waking up in the dark. It takes you a minute to realize you're in a different place. And then you're like, I didn't even recognize that that was Aaron Paul the first time. Like, yeah. But it's literally just him waking up and then it cuts away from him and you're like, He's not going to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're really going to cut away from him after him just waking up. That's it. That's all you're going to. At least she goes and sits down and looks at the picture of the woman that she's trying to chase down. Mm-hmm. He just wakes up and does nothing else. Right. And and the thing is you could do like have some interesting dramatic tension. He clearly he's a man who has to sleep all day and work all night. Like yeah. surely that provides some interesting character moments. I actually moments. did get annoyed because I was like, why would he sleep all day and leave the wind- the curtains open? As somebody who has a tendency to sleep through the middle of the day, I was like. Yeah, because you work weird shifts as well. Yeah. So I was like, no, no, you have like block out curtains and close everything. You don't just leave the curtains open. No. Um, but like maybe if he woke up with like a person in his bed or a picture of a person who he was missing who wasn't in the bed with him or something that was C- like even, the, even from that a kind big of cliche, night out or yeah. yeah even that kind of cliche would be or like he doesn't come in he says no to a big night out because he's very dedicated to his work what do we know about him yeah or Nothing. he's he's spent he's got no money and he's spent all day ch- like tra- chasing down his creditors or you know yeah like something interesting then we know nothing about him except that he makes the right moral decision. So it would be interesting to see him either making the wrong moral decision before that mm. or painting him as this stand-up guy and being like, no, no, I can't possibly drink tonight. Like he goes out with his friends and he's like, no, I'm not drinking because I have to work tomorrow and I'll drive you all home and mm. something like that. And, you know, just give him a personality. <laughs> yeah. but it, but And you could seriously do that just by rewriting those three, three of those four scenes. Yeah. I, even the little girl one doesn't need that much work, just a little um, – that just needs to come in a bit faster with with who she is. Yeah, I think they, they spent a lot of time on her doing the same thing. Mm. Um, and it took me a while also, like when the customer shows up and the dad hides the maths books, it took me until the customer came back again and started talking about the new regime and the Sharia law that I realised that, oh, right, she's not allowed to learn maths. Oh, I figured that one I was out like, when they were hiding I was like, books. why are you hi- – I don't – I was – took me a minute – Either between there or when she was when she goes out and she's fully covered and she's mm. this is a prepubescent child, yeah. um and she's fully covered and they have to cover and their they wrists were and, getting mad at a woman in the square yeah. for not covering her wrists yeah yep okay uh do you want to give it a rating yeah I think I give it three and a half out of five I was gonna give it the same rating three and a half stars out of five. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Eye in the Sky or any of the other movies that she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And we're on social media at screen underscore queens on Twitter, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr, and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.